there is an epidemic sweeping through our nation. Its physical symptoms are exhaustion, fatigue, loss of sleep, upset stomach, tightness in the chest, even heart attacks. While this sweeping epidemic is easily diagnosed, it's not easily cured. No vaccine has been developed for this chronic illness. No special diet has been prescribed. No smorgasbord of herbs and vitamins has halted its spread. The illness is hurry. A few years ago, a couple of doctors defined hurry sickness. Hurry sickness is the compulsive drive to do more and more in less and less time. Take it seriously. It can be a killer. You don't need a thermometer to know if you have that illness. You don't even have to call a doctor. You know when you have it. Yep, it's when time after time you approach a stoplight and you do a quick inventory of how many cars are in each lane or if there are trucks in some lanes and sports cars in some lanes, and you maneuver into the lane that will go the fastest. Because you're in a hurry. It's when you check out at the grocery store and you count how many carts there are and how many items are in each cart to determine which line you're going to get into. Why? Because you're in a hurry. Hurry can be like a disease that is taking over your life. Have you ever noticed when you go on a trip, you arrive at your destination and someone says, how was your trip? And your response is, we made it in good time. You may have made it in good time, but you didn't have a good time. Not everyone needs to make it in good time. Some like to enjoy the journey and see what's out there, all the animals and leaves and the landscape. But today, most of us are more concerned about how long it took than what took place. Every sickness needs a cure. Every hurting person needs help and healing. So what we're going to do is we're going to slow down. We're going to spend time with God, discover his cure, and develop the strategy to make some life-changing bold decisions. Now, to avoid a misdiagnosis, let's first differentiate between being busy and being hurried. Is there a difference? You sure bet there is. There were moments in Jesus' life when he was very busy. All you have to do is read the Gospel of Mark. Healing after healing, casting out demons. Everyone wanted his attention. Busyness is an outward behavior, a series of activities that lead toward a goal. But hurriedness is an inward condition of your soul. The question, what do I need to do to be healthy spiritually? Well, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. So we're going to do that. Today, we look at help for when you feel you'll never get it all done. I mean, it's not uncommon to hear a mum with kids bemoaning their hurried life, always running late, not being prepared, rushing from hockey to gymnastics to dance to music lesson. And then there's homework. And then there's you know, church, so you can stay connected to the body of Christ. And after that, mom says she has no idea how her life became so hurried. You know why? She failed to establish and maintain priorities. It happens to all of us. Paul just said, I have you in my heart. 
I want what's best for you. And he says, this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best. What a wonderful prayer. Pray this for yourself. Pray this for your family. In the first part of that prayer, there are three key parts for establishing and maintaining priorities. So let's look at them. Abound in love. First priority. This is not about feelings or sentimentality. God wants you to abound in love, in action. He did not create you to be couch potatoes. Abound in love, love that flows in response to God's love for you in Christ Jesus. Before you abound in love, you must abide in Christ. Yep. Abide in me and I will abide in you, Jesus said. So you can't, you can't abound if you don't first abide. The next phrase, in knowledge and depth of insight. It's about making right choices and right decisions. As you grow in Jesus Christ, you become able to answer the question, who and what are most important? Until you can answer that question, you'll be a slave to every invitation and opportunity that comes knocking on your door. Hurry sickness is a self-imposed disease due to the lack of clear priorities. So once we know our priorities, we'll make right decisions. But without priorities, we'll, we'll overschedule. We'll overschedule at work. We'll underschedule at home. We won't even schedule time with God. We'll say yes when we should have said no. We will believe that constant activity is what demonstrates love to our children when what our children need is not a chauffeur or a secretary, but a caring and attentive parent. The third phrase in that prayer, discern what is best. Setting priorities enables us to discern what is best. When you don't set priorities, what often happens is we spend our time on things that are not of great importance. I mean, how many times have you been in a meeting where the most important conversation was left to the end, when everyone was tired, when there was no more energy in the group, when there was little time left, and as a result, not much got accomplished. If you don't set priorities, someone else will. So write them down. What is most important? Don't begin by asking, what do I want? Or what do the kids want? Instead ask, hey, what does God desire of me? What does he want of me that produces significant, lasting results? Write it down. Tell a friend. They'll help you to stick to it. You'll never get it all done. Yes, you won't get it all done. You will live an imbalanced life. That's right. I said imbalanced. You know how a balance works. You put a weight on one side and then an equal weight on the other side. The, balance, the balanced life allows you to keep adding weights as long as they are equal. But you can throw away the balance because not everything is of equal value. Not everything is of equal weight. One of the helps for the hurried life is to learn 
calculated neglect. Spend the vast majority of your time and energy on that which is most important. Now notice what St. Paul said, Philippians 1.18. The important thing is that in every way Christ is preached. That's what's most important, that Christ be preached. That's why Paul could say, for me to for for meat to live is Christ. Wow. That's an imbalanced life, but a good life. Remember when I was preparing to become a pastor, hmm, I remember. The preaching professor said, you need to spend an hour in preparation for every minute you preach. The Christian education professor said, you need to spend two hours in preparation for every hour of Bible class you teach. The language professor said, you need to spend an hour a day in both Greek and Hebrew. And the practical professor who talked about the importance of visitations and counseling and administration and planning and outreach Wow. Hmm. I got to my first church and I realized I can't get it all done. I know improvements can be made through better organization and time techniques, but let's face it, plain and simple, there's not enough time to do all we want to do or think we need to do. We need to practice calculated neglect. Priority. Instead of living in balance, live in rhythm. Rhythm. Creation is full of examples of rhythm. If you ever go listen to the symphony, mm -hmm, the symphony, often they will play a classical piece of music with different movements or parts that will have different rhythms. Some will be slow and flowing. Some will be fast and quick-paced. Adagio, Adante, Allegro. Think of your life as a symphony. Take time for solitude, reflection, prayer, worship. Abide, but then abound. Take time for quick, effective, precise movements. Life is a rhythm. The reason we develop hurry sickness is that we follow the frantic pace of the world instead of the rhythm of God. The rhythm of God was first noticed in creation. God created, but he didn't do it all done on the first day, did he? There was evening and there was morning the first day. There was evening, there was morning the second day. It goes on and on. And then there was evening and there was morning. Well, you got the impression right he did a little work and he rested and then mm -hmm, he rested completely on the seventh day god has god has rhythm he certainly does have you ever heard of a speed dating yeah this is how it works the company rents a place of for a group of singles and there are all these tables for two instead of one long 
two or three hour date, you have these two or three minute interactions. You talk to someone for three minutes and then the timer goes off and the woman stays put. The man gets up and moves to the next table. As one speed dating website said, why spend two or three hours on a boring date when you can meet the right person in two minutes? <laughs> Seriously, everything can be rushed these days. And it's not good for us. In football, there's such thing as a hurry-up offense. It's a great idea in football, but not in life. There must be rhythm. You choose the rhythm and pace of your life. If you are staying late at work to get the report done, when do you slow down to spend time with your spouse? Here's another great idea. Fully engage in the moment. Do you realize where Paul was when he writes this letter? Mm -hmm. He's in prison. Paul is in prison. His relationship with the people in Philippi began in prison. Right? He goes to Philippi. He goes to a prayer meeting by the river outside of the city, and then he casts a, a noisy deep demon out of a slave girl who was following him, and all hell breaks loose. He's accused of meddling in the slave owner's lucrative business, and he was unjustly arrested, stripped, and beaten with a rod and thrown into the deep, dark dungeon. Who would ever want to go back to that place? Paul. Why? Because even though his life in Philippi was marked by incredible opposition and hardship, it was also marked with joy. That's right, he sang in the prison. He engaged in the moment. There is one word in this letter that is used in the, more than any other letter, word, and it is joy. How could Paul write about joy in the midst of prison? This time he's writing from Rome, and he's under house arrest. He's thinking, wow, Jesus was arrested for me. Jesus died for me and rose again so that I could live forever. And so Paul in prison sang and he sang again and again. Writing and reflecting on his very own suffering savior, Jesus Christ, how he was wounded and beaten and mocked and imprisoned ultimately giving his life on the cross for him. So St. Paul doesn't write, I can't wait for this to be over. When I get out of here, this is what I'm going to do. No, he engages the moment. I want you to know, brothers, he says, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. He engaged in the moment. Instead of looking at your watch while you're talking to someone, you should be looking at the person. You should be there, fully present, engaged in the moment. Life does not begin when everything is done. It is not when the kids are grown up and off to university that we can then spend more time with each other. Engage in the moment right now. Enjoy the journey. Don't just wait for the end. One day at a time.
and every day is a gift from God. If you have the hurry virus, yeah, you will give the impression of being distracted. Remember Mary and Martha? How Martha was distracted by her many tasks? Trying to live a balanced life, Martha missed what was most important. That was Jesus. She failed to engage in the moment when Jesus was in her house. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at your schedule for the next week. Make sure in your schedule that you have margins or spaces in between activities and appointments. So that it's not just hurry up and race from one activity to the next. Have a rhythm in there. Which activities will make the most significant, lasting differences? And those are where you should spend your best time and give your best energy. You'll, meet, you'll need to make some bold choices. But you'll end up making choices that are establishing priorities. And that's a good thing. You know, there were many things that Jesus could have done with his life, but he didn't. His mission was clear, to die for you so that you could live. He chose to go to the cross for you, and thank God he did. How shall we then live for him? Think about it. Amen.